This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing, the official beer of Steeler Nation, Crack Stonies, pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G. Stryker, and with me today is TopSteelerNation.com sports writer, Logan Leslie. Logan, how you been? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great today. I'm happy to have a fellow writer on the air with me, and when you know when you get two SteelerNation.com writers, you got a wealth of information to be able to talk to Steeler Nation about, so really happy to have you on the call today. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. So first thing I want to get in today, then, uh, Logan, is you wrote an article recently on SteelerNation.com uh, discussing the Steelers midseason MVP. Let's get into that. I'd love to talk to talk to about that and see if Steeler Nation has some opinions on that as well. Yeah, so I uh, I wrote this article because I've been really impressed with uh, Minka Fitzpatrick thus far. You know, what he's done for the defense since he came on uh to the team you know he, he's he's really improved especially especially in the uh, deep passing game yes um, i know nfl next gen stats did a uh, comparison on deep, the steelers deep pass defense before and after the trade yeah uh, and the steelers had previously allowed uh, four completions on seven attempts with three touchdowns wow uh, for a passer rating of 141.4 on deep balls wow. and since the trade this was before uh, last week's game so i don't know what the stats are Mm-hmm. Uh, there, but um, since the trade, they had allowed only three completions on 15 attempts for no touchdowns and three interceptions, uh, which went for a passer rating of 10.8. Wow! I think uh, <laughs> two of those three inter- yeah, two of those three interceptions, I think, were uh, Minka. So wow. uh, yeah, he's definitely uh, improved the defense. Um, he has 30 tackles, six pass defense, and uh, four interceptions to go along with uh, two forced fumbles and a fumble recovery. So he's, he's been that, that guy. And I think he could, you know, if he continues this season, he could be up for defensive player of the year. Logan, I agree with you hundred percent on this one. Actually on my, I think it was two weeks ago on my SteelerNation.com podcast. I actually brought this up as well. I, th- I think that was right around when you released your article. Um, Cause it got me thinking about it. And I was discussing it with Steeler nation was not only do I think that that Minka Fitzpatrick is the MVP for the Steelers for this season, I think he should be in the conversation for league-wide MVP. The Steelers yeah, were a completely different team before adding him, and honestly, he alone has attributed to two wins this season, both games where he had a return touchdown. And the defense locked mm-hmm. it down at the end of the games to win those games. When in the past before, you know, with last year, especially at the end of the season and with the beginning of this year, the defense just could not stop those last drives to be able to win a game for the team. 
Um, so right now mm-hmm. with that trade, it's already a two game swing. Um, I don't really say he hurts Miami as much because Miami's gotten a couple wins without him, obviously, but Steelers would not have had mm-hmm. those two wins, in my opinion, if they did not pick up that trade, especially since they were down to uh, Cameron Kelly as the starting free safety with uh, oh, yeah. uh, with Davis, with Sean Davis already being out and injured. Um, so I, yeah. you, you're preaching to the choir here, and I think that is an excellent, excellent <laughs> point. Yeah, that, uh, that was you know, my main point in the article. He's, he's been such a force on the defense, and the, what mm-hmm. he's done to improve the defense, I mean, the, the stats are there. Uh, so I definitely think, at the very least, he's team MVP. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I no do question. think you need to put a little uh, honorable mention in for TJ Watt, who's also been absolutely phenomenal this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has, what, about nine sacks. And um, I think I saw since week four, he has uh, 15 QB hits, which uh, compared to a guy like Khalil Mack, I think he has 13 more. Wow. So, you know, he's, he's been an absolute <laughs> wow. force as well. He, and you see him coming <laughs> off that edge. I mean, he's always going for the swipe. He's bringing down the hammer every time. So, mm-hmm. you know, when he's getting a sack, as a Steeler fan now, I'm expecting a sack fumble nearly every time he's yeah. going around that corner and making a shot on the quarterback. Yeah, and I think Bud Dupree's, Bud Dupree's uh, turnaround has been great as well. He's, you know, him off the edge has been a force. Yeah. Um, and I you know, I kind of hope that they, they re-sign him after this season because he's, he's been a great uh, tandem with Watt. And, and I've been really impressed, too, with the way Bud Dupree's run defense has improved this season, um, being mm-hmm. able to hold that edge and keep people from getting to the outside. He's, he's really shown a good job, at least getting off of blocks a little bit cleaner than he has in the past. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. more in the past. He, he's always been dealing with some kind of tweaky upper body injury that just tends to sap his ability to reach his full potential he's always had the speed he's always had the bend um the problem is just being able to get a full season healthy and now with you know tj exploding off of the other side i think that's really created a lot of opportunity both in the pass game and in the run game uh to help him excel and and i'm glad he has i agree with you there and i think that's two excellent points because when you get a Watt on the team now, I, I don't think any Watt that ever gets drafted is going in the first round, but for him to last until like what was it, the 25th or 26th pick back, we didn't even move up yeah. for Watt that year. So yeah. I, and if that, yeah, I think he was the 30th pick. Oh gosh. Wow. That, that, that yeah, wow. I think he was 30, 28 wow. or 30, something oh, like that. Man. Yeah. He was, he was down I think there. What, uh, might've caused him, what, what might've caused mm-hmm. him to drop was he had only played one year um, as oh, a wow. linebacker in college. Yeah. He previously was a tight end. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, maybe the inexperience was a factor there, but, you know, a lot of teams are kicking themselves. (laughs) Well, maybe we should turn him into a Vrabel-type linebacker and line him up in tight end there uh, in the red zone because the Steelers do need some help in the offensive red zone. I'm thinking of any way that they can get it into the end zone now. (laughs) So, uh, I also wanted to talk to you a bit about some of the new players that that the Steelers have just added to the roster. Uh, Happy to see Steelers go a-poaching and bring back, Mm. you know, who was one of my favorite performers in the preseason and Tuzar Skipper poaching him back off of the uh the Giants um um uh, practice squad and now making him an active rostered player um that was a, a huge boon at least in my opinion for for linebacker depth because he looked to be mm. a playmaker he looked to be a natural pass rusher um so and to me you can't have enough of those guys on your team um, especially with uh, with how our defense is really set and created for 
having these edge rushers being able to get that kind of pressure from the outside linebacker position. Yeah, I, I do think that was a good pickup for the for the Steelers, um, especially with uh, Ola Adeni being likely out this week with a concussion. Yeah. Um, having that, you know, that that kind of rotation does help guys like uh, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree to kind of get a breather in the middle of uh, you know maybe a defensive stand. So uh, I do think that was a good pickup. My favorite pickup of the week was Deion Kane. Oh, here we um, go. <laughs> wide, wide, wide receiver from the Colts. Yes. Uh, he, uh, Another poached he's player. Out of Clemson. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he, he's out of Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a great college career. And yeah. then uh, last year, he before the I think before week one, he tore his Achilles. Um, oh, so wow. he was out all year. Yes. Um, and then this season, I don't think they utilized him correctly. I, he, was, he was so in and out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you really put him out there and allow him to try to make some plays, he's he's going to be electric. He reminds me kind of like uh, Martavis Bryant type player, yeah, maybe a little shorter, yeah. But uh, he has that downfield speed. I think the team has been lacking, um, especially since uh, you know, Johnny Holton. I think he's he's kind of been that downfield speed guy, and, and yeah, he's caught what, what one out of fifteen passes yeah. this season. So yeah, and it wasn't a downfield pass that he caught too; it was a mid range. So. Yeah, so. Um, I think that helped, definitely helps out Rudolph, who likes to throw deep. Um, yeah. Since we're probably going to be without Juju this week, that that also is a, a big big help. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you 100% on that Deion Kane um, signing. I actually did a breakdown uh, on SteelerNation.com. Guys, go over to SteelerNation.com and read an article. It's called "The Anatomy of a Wide Receiver," and I did one on Deion Kane. I'm a I'm a wide receiver geek, Logan. So, you know, I I love breaking down you know what their hand mechanics look like uh how they look like in and out of breaks um interestingly enough when i broke down his tape it appears to me that he is strictly what we'd utilize as being a deep receiver or a a, a z receiver Mm kind of like where the side washington played Mm -hmm. where like you're saying where martavis bryant played previously and where holton is Mm -hmm. when he comes in as the fourth receiver or third receiver, depending mm-hmm. on where they line up the others. But these guys are deep ball guys. They're lengthy guys. They stretch the field. Um, he is shorter than um, than Holton and, of course, than Martavis Bryant, but he's still at your wide receiver gold standard, which is kind of what teams kind of base their, you know, your ideal wide receiver is usually right around six foot two and 200 pounds. And he checks both mm-hmm. of those boxes, plus running a 4 four forty. I mean, that's mm-hmm. there's a Jerry Rice right there. That's a Terrell Owens. You know, these are your gold standards. Um, yeah. So for him to come in and I watch his hand mechanics, he's got very, very good hand mechanics. I really, really like the way he high points the football down the field. And that was the big thing that separated him from a lot of receivers that I've seen is if you have a six foot foot two guy going down the field and high pointing the football, uh, a, he sees the football easier than the defender does, and if he's attacking the football at a high point, it means that one of two things are going to happen. It means, A, he's going to get the ball first no matter what, and B, mm-hmm. it's going to create a situation where the only thing that a defender can do is interfere at that point if they're trying to prevent a call, a, a catch, a downfield mm-hmm. catch. So um, a lot of his highlights that I broke down in the videos included in that article uh, was j- him just doing that. It's getting downfield, getting up, and getting that football. Also like the way that he fights back to the football. He had a goal line play where he fought back toward the football. Um, also in his when he does his 10-yard uh, or 15-yard or uh, hitch patterns, he fights back to the football. And I like that a lot, especially 
it gives you an advantage as a receiver being in a combat catch situation with close defense. If you're fighting back toward the football, you have a better chance of getting the ball and at least stopping the chance of an interception where we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, Washington have that problem in his rookie season, not fighting back to the football balls, getting picked off. He's doing a much better job this year, but it seems that Kane already has that. So to me that it was kind of odd that the Steelers would want to bring in another deep yardage receiver when they already have, like we're saying, Johnny Holton and um, uh, James Washington on the team to fill those roles. But this may be the writing on the wall. I don't know if they're looking to move Holton uh, and then bring in maybe another shifty slot receiver um, because they're down a slot receiver with um, uh, Switzer hitting injured reserve now for the rest of the year, and that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why they brought in a new receiver. Really, their mm-hmm. only slot receiver, genuine slot receiver on the roster is Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, yeah. You, I mean, you can pop yeah. um, uh, Johnson into the slot as well. I think he's much more suited to being an X receiver uh, personally mm-hmm. to be in that lead role with his great hands and his great route running and his ability to beat press at the line of scrimmage. Uh, which is the the part of the game that I love the most out of that guy. But look at me wearing on and on and on and on about wide receivers. I can always talk wide receivers all damn day. But yeah, <laughs> so I digress. No, I, yeah, no, I, I I like the move. I do. Mm-hmm. Still, I was a big uh, Eli Rogers fan. Me too. I, I think you know how how is he still out there? I, um, I'd like to see them bring him back in. Yeah, and, and I uh, yeah. put him in the slot. And I I just interviewed mm-hmm. Eli last week thinking. And actually, I broke the news to Eli in our podcast that the Steelers just put Switzer on IR. I could tell he was surprised. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I, I'm with you, Eli. I think the Steelers should be reaching out to yeah. you sooner than later. And I, <laughs> and I still think that. I still think the Steelers need a slot receiver. And, hey, mm-hmm. Steelers, Eli's right there in town. At least give him a phone call, see what he's up to, see how he looks. Because I know that's one yeah, guy I, that, that can help the receivers. I love the way he gets in and out of breaks. And I've always loved his hands. I always thought he was the second mm-hmm. best uh, hands receiver on the team back when he was with, right before we got Juju, when we had um, mm-hmm. uh, Antonio Brown, who's one of the best hands receivers I've ever seen. His hand mechanics are, are better than, you know, just about everybody in existence. Uh, that's why he made mm-hmm. so many difficult catches, because he had perfect, perfect hand placement, even with one hand. I mean, yeah. he's, <laughs> he's just an amazing guy yeah, to watch. Yeah. Uh, the way he, the way he, you know, can toe tap and oh, everything is, uh, yeah. is a big, big help as well. Definitely. So yeah. let, let's go back a little bit then into last week, and then we'll talk a bit about the performance that Steelers had in the Cleveland game, uh, which defensively they got off to a slow start. Uh, I thought they did better as the game went on to being able to limit what they could do and, and especially finally cut off the deep ball after the first couple of deep passes. But unfortunately, they got caught a little behind the eight ball and with the performance of Mason Rudolph of the offense and being down to our running game, which is now at our, you know, we got our second and fourth uh, running backs and fifth running backs coming on to play. You still have no um, fullback in uh, Roosevelt Knicks going on injured reserve. Steelers don't have a fullback on the roster. And I think personally, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why our running game is nothing is when we have that fullback in there, Mm -hmm. that was, Connor's best game of the season uh, against the Dolphins. He yeah. ripped off like 126 yards or 130 some yards, and it, it it didn't even seem like he was running hard. But I, I mean, you saw when that ball snap of the ball would happen, and and uh, Roosevelt 
uh, Knicks hit that hole. He was blowing people up in that A gap, and we were mm-hmm. easily getting yardage right off his butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I also I do think that we Connor being hurt is also going to hurt us. I yeah. I think Jalen Samuels is more suited to be a, a pass catcher than a running back. Um, it doesn't seem like he it doesn't seem like he hits holes very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that you know, Steelers need a, a guy that's kind of like a bruiser like Connor. Um, mm-hmm. I think they might get Snell back this week. Uh, so maybe you will see kind of a rotation yeah. between uh, Snell and Samuels. But yeah. last week, I mean, Mason, Mason Rudolph didn't, didn't help them out. Not at all. At all. I mean, the, the yeah. defense, the defense was on the field way too much. And he's, he's thrown too many ill-advised passes. Yeah. Um, and, and that I was the first time to... we, we've seen Mason Rudolph have a bad game. To tell you the truth, he's he's been fairly solid, if not you know, unspectacular, but at least he's been good with the football. He just came off his last mm. game without throwing an interception, and then he came into this game and threw four. So like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think what he needs to improve on is more, um, instead of trying to throw the deep ball mm. um, all the time, I mean, he, he with. From what I see, he's he's either throwing the ball at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, or he's throwing it deep. There's there's not that um, inter, there's not as many intermediate throws. And I think when Ben is in the lineup, that's the difference. Yeah. You know, that if they need if they have a, a a third and twelve, Ben can make that you know twelve thirteen yard throw to get it in in between some defenders. I think Mason struggles on those contested catches. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think. You know, I don't know if it's arm strength or, or what, but it it just seems like sometimes the the ball doesn't come out properly, and it, it, there's not that that zip on the ball that you see with Ben Roethlisberger or even Baker Mayfield last week. It seems like sometimes his his arm strength just isn't there, and then other times it's you know it seems like he has great arm strength. So I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if he's you know he kind of has the yips. Uh, that's yeah. a baseball term. I was yep. a baseball player. <laughs> That's a great, um, great I was, I was analogy. Actually, I was a pitcher. Yeah. Was a pitcher, so, <laughs> That's so, great, Logan. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so sometimes, you know, you, you get a little nervous and the, the ball doesn't come out right. I, I think maybe that's what he's dealing with. And that could just be uh, him getting through his rookie, technically rookie season because yeah. he didn't play at all last year. True. So, and, um, and still being be thrust the into the process. lineup when, he, when at the beginning of the season he was not preparing to be the starting yeah. quarterback. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think all that is a factor, but mm-hmm. he needs to do a little bit of a better job to take care of the football, especially yeah. after last week. And even in weeks prior, I know maybe he didn't have the interceptions to show it. I, mm-hmm. I do notice some ill-advised throws there, um, and some throws that you know there's there's really nobody around, and he's just you know he's he's trying to make a throw that that isn't there. So uh, that's that's one thing I'd like to see him improve upon. I, uh, this week against Cincinnati, which uh, the last time he played Cincinnati was his best his best game statistically. He had a uh, mm. a one twenty four point eight passer rating in that game. Wow! So um, let's I'd like to see him rebound against uh, kind of a a poor Cincinnati defense this week. Yeah, me too. And and I have to give I have to give some kudos also to Cleveland's offensive line. Uh, they had a plan. Uh, they had a quick pass attack that they did institute and they were making throws off of one break. So, mm-hmm. you know, Baker did a good job early of throwing people open. I mean, uh, obviously they, the, those plays, there were breakdowns on the defense. Like we, like the defensive players did discuss, 
that were the reasons why they led to some easy scores early in that game. But after that point, those plays were no longer open. Um, talking about the defense, too, a couple inter- interesting points with that offensive line play by the Cleveland Browns. There was only one sack in that game, and that is highly, highly uh, um, lopsided against what the Steelers are used to getting with pressure on the quarterback is T.J. Watt mm. had the only sack that game. Um, one one wine player, I, I will say, and that doesn't get a whole lot of uh, talk in Steeler Nation but deserves a lot of kudos is uh, Javon Hargrave. He did have a hell of a game uh, working off the mm. nose. And um, he actually had nine total tackles in that game, and two of them for, were for losses. So for a nose tackle wow. to have that kind of game, you'd expect the rest of the team to be a little bit more disruptive and kind of play off of that. But, I mean, it is what it is. They, we got behind the eight ball early. The offense really did not have the ability to dig us out of any hole. In it. <laughs> and it seems like if yeah. we get down by seven, it seems like a, an insurmountable hole now with this offense mm-hmm. unless the defense runs yeah. one back. But <laughs> at it's least a, it's a big turnaround <laughs> from the last couple of years. That it is. But, it, 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 you know, as a Steeler fan, I, I always talked with, with the people that are with Rocky Blyer and, and Eli and and the other people that are interview. It's like as a Steeler fan, we, we grow up rooting for defense. That's that's ingrained mm-hmm. in your soul. So when the defense starts making big plays, gets turnovers, gets big sacks on third down, turns the ball over on fourth down. That really energizes the crowd because uh, I was just at the game two weeks ago and that crowd was as loud as any crowd I've heard in a long time because Steelers were making defensive plays all up and down that ball. That was against the Rams. Yeah. And, and that was, yeah, that was a great game. And, that, and we also got in two situations inside of two minutes at the end of that game that the defense had the football. And as a Steeler fan, this is the first time ever I felt this way in a long time, but I felt full well that the defense was going to close it out. I didn't feel for a second yeah. that the Rams were going to go down and score and win that game. And they didn't. And they had two big stops no. on two drives and W in the win column, man. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a great game to watch. Um, I, I totally agree with you. The defense is just, there's been a renewed sense of confidence in the defense this season, which I don't think we've had for a couple of years now. Yeah. And uh, I think that the two moves that the Steelers made this season by getting, uh, by getting Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick were huge. You know, since we the loss of Ryan Shazier, the Steelers have not had that speed at, at uh, inside linebacker. And uh, Devin Bush has been has been great. Uh, I know his his PFF rank, his PFF score ranking has not reflected that, but oh. if you watch him on the field, he plays with such speed, and yeah. you know he he closes those holes and he makes a ton of tackles. Yeah, he does. And then Minka, you know, we are we already spoke yeah. we already spoke about him, but he's he's been great as well. And and I will will also add, Logan. There's two other big pickups this season at cornerback and and middle linebacker when they got Barron and they picked up Nelson. I mean, those yeah. have been where the previous year the Steelers went out to try to fill those holes with maybes and never went with, you know, Burnett and who was the middle linebacker they picked up? Bostic? Was it Bostic? Bostic. Uh, and, and, Bostic. and Nate yeah. Burhey last that in that year. All three of them were picked up to be mm. the stop gaps, both at safety and middle linebacker. And none of those three are on the team anymore. And the Steelers made an exact mm. commitment say, hey, we just can't throw this in with a with a uh, a platoon backup we've got to make a commitment and they made a commitment to two actual players that can play the position and start in the position and they've both been 
uh, huge, huge role players in, in, in helping this defense become, you know, a top 10 defense now, which is which had been rare in the past few years for Steeler Nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually like to push back a little bit mm-hmm. on that sure. Uh, sure. from Mark Barron. Mm-hmm. I did see something earlier this morning. I don't have the exact statistics, but Mark Barron is having uh, one of his worst seasons of oh. his career this year. Really? Um, his coverage grade is, I think, bottom tier in the NFL. Oh, wow. Because um, he was brought in to be a coverage and, linebacker, right? Yeah, and and I think part of that might be the New England game where his coverage grade was absolutely awful. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, Vince Williams has actually had a much better um, grade overall and coverage grade. So mm. uh, I'd actually like to see him get a little more in the lineup uh, oh. over Barron. Uh, so, well, I don't know if Barron's nursing any injuries. You know, that, that kind of stuff comes out at the end of the season. But yeah. right now, I think uh, Vince Williams might be the guy there. Yeah. Um, one thing that obviously we've got to discuss at the end of the, the football game, there was a big fight. Uh, it, it occurred, honestly, like as a Steeler fan or as a fan of football, it's something that I never saw in my life. It's something that I've actually thought about and fantasized about, but to see someone actually rip off <laughs> someone's helmet and beat them with it was a first. And, you know, I'm, I understand fighting is part of sports. And as a sports mm-hmm. fanatic, you know, it's, it's kind of written in. There's rules for fighting. There's, um, you know, tempers are going to flare. These are highly highly competitive alpha males going at it for supremacy to dominate the other people so when tempers tempers flare and they finally lose it and snap and go at it i understand full well that you know things can happen but this occurred a little bit outside well it occurred way outside of the lines of fighting because i'm a hockey fan Mm -hmm. i'm a hockey player um, I understand when two guys in hockey get pissed off at each other, they face each other man to man, they drop gloves and they go at it. They don't pull off a mm-hmm. helmet, whiz it at each other. They don't pull off a skate and try to stab somebody with it. And they definitely don't grab their mm-hmm. stick, which they're always skating with it and try to swing it as a hammer on the guy's head. If they're looking mm-hmm. to fight man to man. I mean, it has happened mm-hmm. in the past where somebody has got hit in it, hit two handed in the head with a, with a stick. And those people also get brought up on charges for uh, assault and battery. People have gone to jail for Mm -hmm. doing that. So this is the first Mm -hmm. case in the NFL that I've seen an actual assault occur and battery occur on the field because someone was hit with a dangerous object, a blunt instrument, a a weighted blunt instrument. And for it could have done serious damage to Mason Rudolph and him coming off a concussion. I was worried he was going right back in concussion protocol um, because of that hit, just the way it hit. I mean, you see the impact when it happens. I mm. mean, he he took a shot. So, yeah, you know, it's honestly something unlike I've ever seen. Um, you know, obviously with the suspensions that have that have come out, they're valid. <laughs> the fines that have come out, they're valid. Yeah. Um, what did you mm. see in that whole exchange? And what are your thoughts on that, Logan? I mean, I I saw I saw Garrett kind of took him down. Uh, mm-hmm way after Rudolph had let go of the ball. Yeah. And I see that side of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if people are saying, you know, seeing red and all this, yeah, I, I don't buy that. I mean, the, the guy, the guy knew that he let go of the ball. Mm-hmm. The, you could see two defenders were tackling Rudolph before he let go of the ball. Yeah. And as soon as, as soon as the ball was let go, I don't know who the other defender was, but he, he, he let go of Rudolph and he 
he ran towards the play. Yeah. And Garrett continued to, to tackle him, and he was on top of him. Yeah. Put and his body it, weight on him me, and tackled him. Yeah. Yeah. To me, when, when you're when you're being tackled by a guy that's 50 pounds heavier than you yeah. and arguably one of the strongest guys in the league, yes. it, if he's if he's on top of you after the play, I, you're you're able to do whatever you need to do to get him off of you because you don't know. You've seen him hit guys late before and, and yeah. injure players. Mm-hmm. You don't want him on top of you. So I you know I totally support what Rudolph was trying to do to get him off. And yeah. then you know Garrett taking his helmet off at that point. Once the helmet comes off, you should just stop. Yeah. And then he continued. I know I know Rudolph ran after him, which he should not have done. Yeah. But to swing a helmet, which is essentially a, it's it's a brick. Yeah. It's, it, it's yep. as heavy as a brick. It's actually with, a pound a heavier hand, than a brick, a Logan. <laughs> it's a pound yeah. heavier with a handle if, on it. <laughs> if, yeah. If if the helmet was turned the other way, I mean, he's he's out. He's you can crack his skull open yeah. doing that, especially yeah. as strong as Garrett is. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I know Rudolph wasn't completely in the right, but Garrett. Mm-hmm should not see the field the rest of the season. Agreed. And honestly, I'd suspend him for a full 16 games yeah. and go into next season. Cause that is, that is a bad look for the NFL. And, you know, Garrett, Garrett is out today. Mm. Uh, I know we, uh, we haven't spoke about this yet, but Garrett said that he, uh, and Rudolph had said a racial slur to him oh, prior wow. to him hitting the helmet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if this had actually happened, mm. Why would Garrett wait until his hearing to say that? Why would he not say that immediately after the game? Uh, so, you know, I think he's just trying to get out of the suspension and, and try to you know, work it down so he's not out the rest of the season. But, you know, this is just, it's just ridiculous on, on the part of Garrett, okay. in my opinion. Has any information come out from Rudolph's camp about that statement? Yeah, so Rudolph's attorney actually came out almost immediately after this came um into the media and said that uh, Garrett falsely asserted that Rudolph had uttered a racial slur towards him prior to swinging the helmet. Wow. And uh, that Rudolph completely, you know, denies doing this. So, and he also added that they will not discuss it any further. They're focused on Cincinnati, which I think was, was a good move on their part. Kind of killed the, killed the drama a little bit. I also saw a report today as well that stated that Mason Rudolph has no ill feelings toward Miles Garrett uh, at this point mm-hmm. either. So I don't know if he's necessarily taking the high road, but well, he's obviously taking the high road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I got hit in the helmet by a, by a player uh, that is doing his best Vontae's perfect impression, um, you know, completely like sabotaging his own career because of things he does after the whistle. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't take, I wouldn't have been taken the high road at all to tell you the truth. Uh, I would have yeah. flat out just completely <laughs> called a spade a spade in that instance. But, you know, kudos to Mason Rudolph for being a team leader and, and, you know, being mm. the, the better man in that situation. Um, so, uh, mm. but we'll see if, if that's, you know, if that hits, knocks some sense into him, hopefully makes him a better quarterback this week. We'll have to see if, it, if he's going to play with more of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, one final thing I want to state about that fight. Uh, one of my game balls uh, as a goaltender in hockey, anytime you hit the goaltender in hockey, you're going to have your players come and get your back. And, mm-hmm. you know, Pouncey did have Mason Rudolph's back. Uh, albeit he did come into the fight late. 
albeit he kicked the man while he was down, but that is what you do to protect your goalie in hockey. That is what you do to protect your quarterback in football. Uh, kudos to Pouncey. I mean, yeah, your suspension is warranted. Yes, you cannot kick a person when they're down, but if I saw somebody doing that to my quarterback uh, from a bigger guy and one of the biggest guys on that, that team trying to take advantage of a smaller player and being your quarterback, you do snap and you do whatever you take to kind of protect that player. Mm -hmm. Not saying what he did was yeah. right, but I understand it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, I understand too. Yeah. And I like to note that he didn't, he didn't act when he was kicking yeah. uh, miles Garrett. He never made contact with Garrett's helmet or any part of his body. He, he I think he hit the Castro or, <laughs> or, uh, one of the other offensive linemen that yeah. was in there. I don't think he ever actually made contact with, uh, with Garrett at all, even when he was swinging punches. Yeah. Um, I know I was watching a, a Barstool Sports uh, podcast the other day, and they were kind of going over that. You know, yeah. Pouncey got suspended, and he never even, you know, made contact with Garrett. So, And that's a, that's a we'll, good point. Uh, we'll that's, a, that's a really good point, <laughs> Logan. But the intent was there. He did want to punch him. Yeah. He did want to kick him, whether or not he got mm – -hmm. like, and that, I would have been the same way if Miles Garrett swung that helmet at him and missed. That's an intent to mm -hmm. injure and that's it's oh, yeah, it's still sure. attempted battery, um, no matter mm -hmm. how how you slice it. Um, if DeCastro would have deflected that that glancing blow a little bit more and it just missed him, I I still think he gets a he should be warranted to a full season suspension or at least like the rest of this season because you can't swing a helmet oh, yeah. in this game. But definitely no. him making contact definitely did lead to the issue of the NFL has to make an, a, a ruling and made one quickly and they came out the next day and suspended mm -hmm. him indefinitely. So that's a, that's a big move from the usually slow plotting process of the NFL trying to decide on what they're going to do with players after the fact, mm -hmm. um, moving forward. This, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You finish up. This, this has happened before. Okay. I apologize to interrupt. No, no, no. Uh, Houston Texans, the Houston Texans, uh, in 2013 had a, uh, a uh, defensive end, Antonio Smith, who swung uh, his helmet at Richie Incognito. Oh, wow. Um, and that resulted in a uh, three-game suspension, two of which were preseason games. So oh, wow. I think uh, what Gareth Camp is trying to do there is, is use a precedent-based argument uh, to try to get him uh, reduced. Do you know if in that earlier situation, if he made contact with, with the helmet, with swinging his helmet, did he just swing um, it at the player or I, did he make contact? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Okay. Um, I, I believe he did, but I don't think it was in the head area. Okay. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not sure on that. Okay. Because I'm just saying, at least if he didn't make contact, I do give the NFL props for delivering a suspension without making the contact with the intent mm -hmm. to injure someone with, with a weapon. A helmet is a weapon. Mm -hmm. There's no two ways about it. Whether yes, it's your for sure. Own or somebody else's, it's, it's the easiest way to hurt someone is to swing your helmet at them. Um, but one, mm -hmm. one interesting thing, or, or it's not interesting, it's, it's just a fact now that uh, Pouncey's out, it means that B.J. Finney is now the center, and I think that's going to be a really tough obstacle for the Steelers to have to overcome in these next couple games that uh, Pouncey's going to be out for, is now we have a brand new center on the field, and I've always stated your center is a skill position player. He is the only mm -hmm. player on the football field that always touches the ball every play because sometimes he's snapping to a running back. Rarely, sometimes he'll snap direct snap to a receiver coming across in motion, but center always touches the ball. 
So it's a big deal mm-hmm. to lose somebody like Pouncey, who's normally money in his center exchanges. I know he had that one bad snap, mm-hmm. the high snap in, uh, in the Rams game. Wasn't it the Rams game that he threw it over his head uh, to start that game? But, yes, yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, other than that, that center quarterback exchange, anytime you usually get a change in that, it does affect the center quarterback exchange. At least they have the full week mm-hmm. to practice. We'll see how that you know comes into effect moving in toward the game. Uh, coming up this week, and um, just quickly, you know, that's the one injury that's going to cause a, a or not injury, but suspension that's going to cause a big change in the Steelers lineup. I want to do a quick rundown mm-hmm. of the injuries. I track the injuries every week, of course, and I leave that. Um, uh, I post this spreadsheet in my uh, prediction to uh, actively predict the inactive list each week, and uh, according to my spreadsheet this week, uh, right now. We had two players that did not practice at all yesterday. It was James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster. Obviously, Conner re-injured his shoulder in the Cleveland game. Uh, Juju hurt his knee and was had a concussion as well. Three concussions last week. So, you know, another point from the, the previous game is, is I think they were honestly looking to headhunt in that game because this is the first time I've seen three concussions out of a game, plus a guy getting in the, hit, in the head with a helmet. Um, yeah, you know that's not the type of co- of coaching that we expect to see when we see the uh, Browns. It's more something that we've expected in the past when we played Cincinnati during the perfect years uh, with Pac-Man Jones. Yeah, we knew those guys were going to headhunt at times. We knew those guys would rather hurt us than beat us. Uh, if they can't beat us, they're going to beat us up, and that seemed like the Cleveland mm-hmm. game this past week. So. One of the concussions right there, we have three people in concussion protocol. Obviously, Juju is, is still in concussion protocol. We have two people uh, with concussions from that previous game, and Ola Idani and uh, uh, Deontay Johnson, which did practice fully yesterday. Obviously, if they practice fully today, they clear concussion protocol, and they're back to being active players. Um, also limited in practice yesterday were Artie Burns with a knee injury. He got hurt in the previous game and, and uh, came out during the game, didn't return. And Bud Dupree, who we were speaking about earlier, had an arm injury. He finished the game, the previous game, uh, so he was limited in practice. Uh, this past game, hopefully it's just to get him back in shape so he's be ready and keep e- take it easy on him so he'll be fully ready for the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll, we'll monitor that as it goes on. But we had two players returning to practice fully. Benny Snell, as we we talked about earlier, I think, I'm, I think you're spot on, Logan. I think that you need more of a Benny Snell on a first and second down to be the uh, counterpunch to bringing in uh, Jalen Samuels on um, third down because Jalen Samuels, this is his second year in his existence as being a full-time running back. Essentially, he was Mm -hmm. a slot receiver or a wing back or a slot back or a slap back in college. Um, If he was getting the ball, usually in college, he was running laterally with it on a jet sweep. Um, otherwise, you know, he was catching most of their shots, the, most of their passes out of the slot. He did he's a ton of receptions. Mm-hmm. So I agree with mm-hmm. you there. I think his, I think he's, I think personally, he's the best pass catching wide receiver we've had, uh, even better than Bell, but Bell's diversity and his ability to break more tackles and be a stronger player made him more of a, a threat. It seemed like to get to break tackles down the field. But you mm-hmm. cannot denounce at least his ability to catch a football and get open. So I, that's one thing I really like about their game. And hopefully the game plan will be utilized to utilize both of those backs to their fullest 
to get the Steelers some semblance of a running game, which they've had a tough time to really get going. And the final player I just wanted to mention quickly is Anthony Chiquillo. Uh, he was inactive in the previous game with a rib injury. Uh, they did not list him at all in the practice um, injuries for this week. So obviously he's ready to go. So that's a good thing to hear about. Mm-hmm. So outside linebacker depth is a little bit stronger, but even with adding to our skipper, it's even that much more stronger. So I'm excited to see what he can do as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so now moving forward to the next week, we've got Owen 10 Cincinnati on the board, Logan. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this, this is obviously a game that the Steelers should mark down as a victory, but with the way that Mason Rudolph's been performing, he's a big question mark, Uh, but the, the Bengals are also in a unique uh, situation as well. They have their new quarterback of the future playing right now in Ryan Finley. Uh, last week mm-hmm. he had a terrible game against the Raiders, uh, under 50% passing 13 for 31, 115 yards and an interception. The guy is not winning games for you. He's just learning how to play. I think the Steelers pass rush will make it even more difficult for a young uh, quarterback to have success in this game, but that's something that they have to fight. Uh, moving forward uh, for the upcoming game. Are there any matchups that you see that, that, that suit our favor or that we should look out for for the upcoming game? I mean, what, what I, the biggest matchup I think is going to be the Steelers pass rush against uh, the Bengals uh, O-line. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it was, how many sacks did they have last game? They, they had quite a few sacks oh, the last time they Seemed played. Seemed like it was close to eight and... last time they played. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an incredible showing from the uh, defensive line. So I, I definitely expect to see the quarterback make some ill-advised throws, trying to you know make something happen. And then with Minka Fitzpatrick and all the, the guys we have in the secondary now, I, I see a great performance coming from the defense, especially after losing last week. They're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. Um, so all, all I want to see Mason Rudolph do is take care of the ball, do some methodic drives. Don't try to you know, make some deep passes, make these big plays and do some methodic drives, make some intermediate throws. Don't, if it's not there, don't make a, you know, an ill-advised throw. Just, you know, try to run the ball. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think they'll get a win this week. I don't see, I don't see the, the Bengals offense being anything spectacular. I mean, Joe Mixon has, has averaged what a 2.8 yards per carry this season. Yeah. He's so their run game. Yeah. Good. good their point. run game. Their run game isn't there. They're, they, they're without AJ green. They're without uh, Joe, Joe Ross. He's, he's that, that speedy guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and green still not hundred percent uh, as well with the passing yeah. game, but they, they do have Tyler Eifert still who is, who is a threat at tight end when he's healthy. And there's a guy I like too, was the seventh rounder, Auden Tate, uh, a big size to speed ratio guy, six foot four, uh, four, five, 40. He's got great hands too. I love his hand mechanics as well. Mm-hmm. And he's right now currently leading, um, the receivers since, since, uh, AJ has gone down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll, we'll find out how he does, but, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that the, the Steelers' defense is going to have a great showing this week. And there's one matchup that does concern me this week, and that would be uh, Geno Atkins, who's just coming off a great game. He had one and a half sacks last week. And from the interior, he's going up against a brand-new center and B.J. Finney. So 
to me, this is a this is a situation where Gino's going to be licking his chops to see if he can get in there and disrupt what we're doing with the center exchange a, and then be attacking him to get to the quarterback as quickly as possible, or to disrupt plays in the backfield. And that's something that the Steelers, mm-hmm. I, I think, are going to need more than one person to help block him to help to um, give Mason Rudolph some some time to get these plays off downfield. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. And I guess that's pretty much everything I see for this upcoming week. I mean, obviously, I think it's going to be a a fairly close game as well, but I, I still see the Steelers as having more talent and being able to finish this game off because it it doesn't seem like the Bengals are able to finish off anything. I mean, it would have, have to be another multi-turnover game, I, in my opinion, in the negative uh, where we'd have to have three mm-hmm. or four more turnovers than the Bengals to lose this football game. Um, but other than that, I don't see the Steelers losing this week. Yeah, I, I don't see them losing this week either. Uh, the only the only way I see the Bengals winning is is if Mason Rudolph can't keep uh, can't take care of the football. Definitely. Well, Logan, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast this week. It was great to have you. Oh well, thank you for having me. I had a great time. <laughs> Excellent. And Steeler fans, <laughs> make sure to come on over to SteelerNation.com and read the great a- articles here by Logan Leslie and myself, G. Stryker. Uh, SteelerNation.com, obviously, and we have the best football forum as well. So log on and join in the discussion. A lot of great information over there at the football side for SteelerNation.com. Or you can tweet us at SteelerNation or Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. And thanks again for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Stoney's Brewing. I'm your host, G. Stryker, along with Logan Leslie, rooting with you as always. Go Steelers!